Uh, so I'm going to count us off one, two, three, and on three, not three, go, on three. We're going to read these two verses together. One, two, three. The sun was there before anything was made, and all things continue because of him. He is the head of the body, which is the church. He is the beginning of everything else, and he is the first among all who will be raised from death. So in everything, he is most important. That feels good. You know, the Bible was actually meant to be read aloud and together, so I think that's part of why. Uh, would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes with me as I pray? Father, I just thank you for being in this moment, and I just ask that in this moment, your will will be done, Lord, that you will take over and that you will preach a message, well, you will help me preach a message that connects to your heart and, and what you desire from us as a church community. In your name we pray, amen and amen. So I just thought I should be really bold today and, and confess something and tell you guys something about me that I think is going to surprise you all, and many people will be unexpected, well, will find it unexpected. Um, so just something about me, you guys just, okay, it's going to be brand new, very shocking. Um, I tend to be a very easily distracted person. I know. <laughs> Too many people are in on that joke. Too many people. All, all I got is whoever came here for the first time today. That's who I got with me. Welcome, guys. Thank you for not. Uh, but if you are new, yeah, I am very, very, very easily distracted. Uh, I was diagnosed with ADHD a while ago. I name it, but I don't claim it, you know. Um, you know, pray for my wife. She has to deal with me asking her the same thing multiple times in a day. Uh, she's like, I just, I literally just told you, you know, at this point, so I've been going to the gym, you know, I know you've noticed, uh, <laughs> I, think I feel good, guys. Yeah. I'm going to do push-ups now. Uh, and what's funny is I'm so distracted at the gym, uh, on my phone. Cause I got to get the right music playlist or the right podcast. So, you know, we're usually at the gym for an hour. This ends up taking about 30 minutes of my gym time has gotten to the point that we have like a whole checklist. Amanda's like, hey, you did, you, you got everything that you needed to get done before we get to the gym. Can we, you have your ID out, you have your song that you're going to listen to today. You're ready. Okay. Cause I'll start, I'll be in the gym and I'll like text messages for people will come to, yo, I got to text this person about this. Like I am most productive at the gym, uh, <laughs> except for working out. And so I am that easily distracted. I don't think I'm alone here, uh, mostly because I saw Isaiah walk in today, and so I was like, oh, I'm not going to be alone. We talk about that. Anybody else find that you are easily distracted? Like, yeah, <laughs> I hear claps. That's right. Clap. Make some noise if you are easily distracted. If you checked out right before I said that and you had to make some noise, you're like, oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, my wife cannot stand it. Um, she's patient. She's like, I love shouting you out when I preach, baby. You are patient. Can we give some for my amazing wife? 
The reason why is because I don't just get easily distracted. I'm really good at it. I got it down to a science. Like she has caught me checked out. Pastor Roe has, he knows the look that I, he's like, you got this checked out stairs. It's like, come back, Ruben, come back. She has caught me checked out. She's like, you're not listening to me. I'm like, yes, I was. And I just, I have this ability and it only works if I'm being called out for being checked out that I could repeat literally the last three sentences of what was being said. I was like, you weren't paying attention. Yeah, you did. You said you were going to go to the store and then you were thinking about doing your hair later today, but you don't know because it might rain and it might not be worth it. Yeah, see, I was here. <laughs> Easily distracted. And you know, I think, I think it's getting worse for all of us. Like, I feel like it's getting easier to be distracted as life goes on. And I want to blame social media and the Illuminati. Because study after study is showing that. But I, I genuinely think it's getting easier to be distracted because we want to be distracted. Like it's gotten to the point that I get distracted from my distractions. Like I'm watching a movie. But instead of watching a movie, I pull out my phone to play a game while I watch my movie. And then I get a text message right before I go play my game. And now I'm texting. I got distracted from the thing that I was trying to be distracted by. It's crazy. It's getting easier and easier to be distracted. Uh, But I talk about distractions because I don't think it's getting, it's just easy to be distracted in our personal and in our daily lives. I think that it is so easy to be distracted in our spiritual life. Now, when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to Jesus and keeping the main thing, the main thing, it is very, very easy to just squirrel in the middle of worship, in the middle of our spiritual lives and find ourselves focusing on the wrong thing. In Colossians 17, 18, the last part of this verse, it says that in everything... He, Jesus, is most important. He is most important. In what? In everything. There's a literal translation, like the literal, 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 word for word way to say this sentiment was that Jesus will be first in all. And we're going to unpack that a little bit later, but he is meant to be first in all things, in every area. What I find is, It is hard to keep him the center of every area of my life. The title for today's message, and really the goal is that we would put Jesus back into the spotlight. Put Jesus back in the spotlight. And I use this word spotlight because my goal is to use a spotlight as a metaphor. Spotlights They beam in, they zero in on something. And when a spotlight is focused on something, that is all you can see. Everything else is tuned out. And funny enough, that's how our minds work. Our minds, I have talked about and preached about before, that you are incapable of multitasking. Mothers, get that out of your head. Uh, (laughs) You are incapable of multitasking. Your mind can only focus on one thing at a time. And in many areas of our lives, I think that we our mind functions like a spotlight. And what I want to do is use this metaphor. My mind is a spotlight, and I'm, I'm probably focusing that spotlight on the wrong things. And what, what is the wrong thing? Well, in everything, 
Jesus is supposed to be first. And so if it's not Jesus, it's the wrong thing. If he isn't the focal point of our lives, it's the wrong thing. And before I jump back into Colossians, my goal is to have this be a little bit interactive. I say goal because I might get distracted and just preach. But I want to ask you guys a question, and and if you feel comfortable, um, answer it amongst yourselves. Just say it out loud. And um, You know, I'm aware that we are in a 4 p.m. service. So... Already your week has happened, and we, there are eight more hours left of your day, and so you are coming into this church with so much time and things having had happened, and it's so easy to come in here, and so here's the question, what have you come in here focused on? What has been the thing that, you know, geez, we just came through 30 minutes of worship, But in the midst of that, I don't know if you're like me, in the midst of that, sometimes I could feel the spotlight just shifting, just remembering things and and getting focused on other things. And here's what a lot of us, especially if you're an overthinker, we tend to focus on the things that give us stress, right? (laughs) We tend to focus, I wake up stressed out and nothing has happened because my mind thinks that when I'm sleeping is the time to remind me of all the things I haven't gotten to do, all the things that are behind, where I am in life and how that's a problem and how I wake up with like a to-do list and an agenda. Anybody else? Just me? Yeah. It's so easy to fix the spotlight on the wrong thing. And so what I'm going to do is cover a few areas. I want to ask that question one more time and actually give you guys time to think about it. As, as you're here, no judgment. There's a judgment-free zone. What have you found yourself focused on, fixated on? That isn't Jesus. If your answer is Jesus, you, you should preach this message. You're more. <laughs> but what have you found yourself focused on? You can say it out loud if you feel comfortable. You can just write it down if you want. What are you focused on? Overly focused on. Why I am pinpointing this is because as I read Colossians, it became so, I think the word is prevalent. Prevalent and evident are stuck in my head. That Paul had a one-track mind, and it was Jesus. All through this section, you just hear him talk about Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's like, like when, when Paul got blinded, it's ironic, because when he saw Jesus, he got blinded, and it's like ever since then, that's all he could see. Like He could only see Jesus. And I just... You just see how this pervades so many different areas. Um, and I, I believe that if we adopt the mindset of Paul, that, that it will have some benefits in our lives. And so the first spotlight, I've broken them down as spotlights, different spotlights. We find at the top of First Colossians verse 15, it reads, No one can see God. 
but the son is exactly like God. He rules over everything that has been made through his power. Through his power, all things were made. Things in heaven and on earth, seen and not seen, all spiritual rulers, lords, powers, and authorities, everything was made through him and for him. The son was there before anything was made, and all things continue because of him. He is the head of the body, which is the church. He is the beginning of everything else, and he is the first among all who will be raised from dead. So in everything, he is most important. God was pleased for all of himself to live in the son, and through him, God was happy to bring all things back to himself again, things on earth and things in heaven God made peace by using the blood sacrifice of his son on the cross. Is that not powerful right there? That is actually a poem that Paul writes in the middle of this letter to Colossians. And what you find is it is filled with glory and declaration. He is just glorifying and glorifying and glorifying and glorifying Jesus and declaring and declaring and declaring what is done through Jesus. And that's the first spotlight that I want to talk about. If we imagine our mind, I believe there's this spotlight with these spotlights in our mind called glory and declaration. The, the questions I'd like you to ponder are, what is it that you glorify? What is it that you declare in your life? Is Jesus the focal point in those things? Again, no shame. I'm here preaching. If I could sit there and preach this at the same time, I would. You know, I find that it's so easy to over-glorify different things. And the easy, the low-hanging fruit here is to talk about how we could glorify our problems. We talk about how our problems are overwhelming, how our problems are insurmountable, how just I'm just dealing with. But even good things, I think that we can tend to over glorify and they, we become fixated on, uh, I think, typical church examples that we'll say is like a, a relationship or a career or, a, or a, a situation, a certain blessing can become the thing that we give glory to. And Jesus loses out on being the focal point, the things that we declare, man, man, oh man, well, we declare, I forgot where I said this. I think I said this at team. Nine. I said most of this church is, is Latino and Italian, second generation immigrants of some sort. I just feel like I grew up and like that culture, very right. I feel like I grew up in a complaining culture. Like my mom said all the time, cars don't tickle. They leave you crippled. That was what she declared in my household. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> You know, my mom, I, I was raised on, I'd rather be wrong than be, I'd rather be wrong about a bad thing than be right. It was like, you know, like, watch out, that's going to happen. Well, pff, well, then prove me wrong. There's a negative mentality. It is so easy to seep into that and begin to declare, oh, I'm, I'm always going to be this way. Oh, oh, my, my time is up. And that doesn't happen when Jesus is the focal point. I think that when you are consumed with Christ, I think it's impossible to see negativity. And, and it's not that you, I, I love that we were just kind of alluding to some of this, like this is very related to the devotion that was given on team night. It's not that 
you are denying and mitigating the bad stuff. Paul went through a lot in his life. Paul was beaten to death. Paul eventually was martyred. Paul is writing the book of Colossians from prison. And in the midst of a prison cell, all he can see is the beauty of Jesus. Paul is solely focused on Jesus. And what's special about that is he wasn't praising Jesus as a means to an end. You know, like, like praising Jesus for his blessing. Praising Jesus to get out of prison. And I know that because in another time he was worshiping Jesus and the prison doors were all released and he stayed in prison. <laughs> he, he was just consumed with praising Jesus. For him, the exalting and the glory of Jesus wasn't the means to an end. For him, he was living in the end because the means was the finished work of the cross. For Paul, all he saw that Jesus, Jesus had already accomplished the means and we were he was living in the end result. And, and I believe this for us, church, that when Jesus is the focal point of what you glorify, and what you declare, it will settle a lot of the other things that we tend to fixate on. Anxiety, fear, frustrations, anger. The, the, I think for me, I, I don't know, just the other day, I was like telling a man, they're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm having insecurities, just bubble up to the surface. I don't know, just where I'm at in life, my socioeconomic status, all that stuff. Watched a movie. The movie made me, like, their frustrations became my frustrations. I'm just like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. So easy to fixate on those things and what we become worried about. Yeah? If you relate to that, like, if you can just think about what are the things that you find yourself fearful of? anxious over. I genuinely believe that when Jesus is the focal point of your glory, of what you give glory and what you declare, it will settle these things. As a byproduct, here's why. I'm going to highlight some of what he says in this text, and I'm going to read it through. It says, he says things like this. He rules over everything that has been made. How can I be anxious about anything when I understand that my Christ, my Jesus, rules over it all? Through his power, all things were made. All things were made. Everything was made through him and for him. And if I understand that my life and my situation, everything that is going on in this world was made through Jesus and for Jesus, how could I ever be afraid? All things continue because of him. Pastor Rowe talked about last week things that we overlook and we could easily miss out on. I think that verse is a verse that can so easily be overlooked. All things continue through him. Maybe you found yourself anxious about if you're going to make it. Maybe you found yourself feeling like you're hanging on uh, um, by a strand. Well, all things continue through him. All things were made through him. Him And I think in life, it can start to feel like our systems and our checklists and our vision boards feel like a drop of water in a bucket. But when you understand who's holding the bucket, it just changes your outlook. 
It changes your outlook. He says he is the beginning of everything else. So in everything, he is most important. The literal translation, as I said before, was that he will have first place. He will have first place in everything. I want to pause here to ask, does Jesus have first place in your thought lives? Does Jesus have first place in your thought life? I know, I'll I'll tell you first, I'll be the first to admit he doesn't in mine. Mostly because I can't control it because I'm asleep and my my brain's going wild and I wake up and I'm just like, it's just like, oh, oh yeah, Jesus, let me add you back to the top of the list. Um, But I can so easily be consumed by worry and distraction. can just... I could be so easily consumed about the things that have to get done and I have to do and, and that, that prayer time and, and communing with Jesus can be the thing that becomes fourth on my list because I got to get my car registered. And if I don't get it registered, I'm going to get a ticket and uh, I got life problems to deal with. But when he's first place in our thought lives, we remember, oh, you hold it all in your hands. I just think that that's such a powerful sentiment. Through Jesus, all things were made. All things were created. He is the source of it all, and he rules over it at all. And and a little, the, the, the last piece there, he talks about how God is reconciling the world through him. He's, he's bringing it all together through Jesus. And if that doesn't take care of our anxiety, because anxiety is worry about the, all, all anxiety is, is, is worry about the future, what will happen, what's going to happen. But what we understand is what is happening is that the Father is reconciling it all through Jesus, that Jesus is the great reconciler and the great restorer. So all that you've lost, he is reconciling it and bringing it back through Jesus. So, so you don't need to worry. And, and I love that before Jesus dies and resurrects, he's like, don't worry about tomorrow. If God dresses the lilies, extra points for those who finished it. Like, you don't need, why? Because he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world. I don't got t- tone, so you guys got to sing it for me. Why, why would I be worried? He's the great reconciler. And so even if things don't look like they're going my way, I know that in the end, maybe not even in my lifetime, but I know that in the end, he is reconciling it and restoring it all through Jesus. What are we glorifying? What are we declaring? When we think about that spotlight of our mind that just tends to worship anything, tends to give glory and, and magnify things, we at least in American culture, everything we speak is in extremes and super, superlatives. There was like a million of them. Yo, I'm exhausted. I'm starving. We are made to glorify and magnify. But how about if we take that ability and just make Jesus the focal point? I'm thirsty today, guys. So, John, I might, I might need another water bottle. It's because of all the lights, I think, the new lights. Worship team, I don't know how you did it. Uh, 
In Colossians 1, he, he keeps going. He says, at one time you were separated from God. You were his enemies in your minds because the evil you did was against him. But now he has made you his friends again. He did this by the death Christ suffered while he was in his body. He did it so that he could present you to himself as people who are holy, blameless, and without anything that would make you guilty before him. Excuse me. What Paul is doing here is reminding them of where they came from. He is reminding them of the story. Hey, Jesus is this magnificent, amazing person, and this is what he did, that while you were separated from God, he made you friends. He's made you holy. He's made you blameless. Through what? His death and his resurrection. He's in the midst of reminding them, and he's also calling them to believe. Believe this good news. Believe this good news. It actually continues. Where, what verse was this? 22. In verse 23, it says, and that is what will happen if you continue to believe in the good news you heard. You must remain strong and sure in your faith. You must not let anything cause you to give up the hope that became yours when you heard the good news. That same good news has been told to everyone on earth. And that's the work that I, Paul, was given to do. I see this spotlight, if I'm continuing with the metaphor, I see that Paul is shining the spotlight of remembrance, the spotlights of remembrance and belief. The spotlights of remembrance and belief. You guys ready for questions? Okay. No? Okay, okay. Worship team, you guys could. What, when it comes to these spotlights, what do you play on repeat? In your mind, what thoughts live rent-free? What are you choosing to remind yourself of day in and day out? And what do you choose to believe about yourself? Here's the last point. Is Jesus the focal point? You know, for me, I find that I tend to ruminate. I'm an impulsive person. That's also a shocker, I know. Um, and so I tend to live beyond my actions. Amanda always tells the story of one time, I think we were making chicken cutlets or something, and I poured the breadcrumbs into the egg yolk because I just, I just moved. <laughs> I just, she said, all right. She handed me the breadcrumbs, and I went... And so I tend to have acted before I've thought, and so that causes me to live in this cycle of regret. If I would have. And then while I'm thinking about all the things that I regret, I'm making mistakes in the present. Or I'll relive the glory days. Ever just replay? Oh, I remember back when we had an 11 a.m. service. <laughs> I relive glory days that weren't even glory days, like high school or, you know, like. I, I, wasn't a, I wasn't a popular kid in high school, but I'm like, oh, I remember in high school. Just no bills. <laughs> it's like we play on repeat different things and we ruminate on memories. And the reality is we also ruminate on trauma and pain and hurt. And we live this cycle. And that is active stress. 
as long as you're thinking about it, it is taking a stress imprint on your body. It's active stress. And what Paul is calling this church to do, he's saying, hey, remember. Remember Jesus. Remember where you were. And I believe that when we remember the death Christ suffered, it will cause us to remember our status as holy and as friends of God. I believe that when we remember that, he says that you were his enemies, but Christ suffered. Why did he suffer? Well, he did it so that he could present you, you to himself as a holy people. And so every time that you're remembering the death and resurrection of Jesus, every time that Jesus is the focal point of what you choose to play on repeat, what you are in turn declaring is that you have been made holy, that you have been made a friend of God, that you have been restored. You are making a statement about your status and why that matters so much is because so often we can be kept, we can become caught up in saying the wrong things about ourselves. We can get caught in shame and embarrassment and regret of the things that I've done. And if you only knew my past. But what I love is that Paul is using their past to glorify Jesus. He's like, no, no, y'all were evil. You were evil and you were enemies in your minds to God. But it is because of that fact that Jesus was able to die and resurrect and make you a friend. It, 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 it's so powerful what Jesus did because of how far we were. And I think that that's what's ironic is that when we live in shame of sin, we actually water down the gospel. The, the beauty of the gospel is we didn't deserve the grace. The beauty of the gospel is we I just, I don't think I could ever earn God's approval and it's recognizing that that makes it so beautiful that God of his own volition provided Jesus to be the sacrifice to restore us unto him, that we might be his friends, that we might be made holy, that we might be made blameless. That is what is so beautiful. And when you remember that, when you remember that, it, it settles the shame that you play on repeat. Why? Oh, yeah. Jesus died to make me holy. It's Jesus' sacrifice that has made me a friend of God. It is, a, it is a direct connection to your status when it comes to your relationship with God. Does that make sense? That when you replay what Jesus did, and, and here's the next part, it's belief. I, this text, I don't know, I've been rereading this. I've been like, Colossians, where have you been my whole life? He says that Jesus did this. He did this. What did he do? He died and he resurrected. To make us holy and blameless. And then he says, that is what will happen if you continue to believe. I don't know about you, sometimes it feels hard trying to be holy. Like trying to, I gotta gotta keep my salvation on. You know, I'm in public with people and people become my problem. You know, it can feel so hard to maintain that. But here Paul is giving us the key ingredient to become holy. What is it? It's to believe. To believe in the good news. To believe that what Jesus did 
happened. Could it be that when we get caught up in our own shame cycles and our own embarrassment, that there's a part of us that this happens because we don't believe? I know, I know that it's true for my own life sometimes, that I get caught up in really doubting that God can love me, that Jesus could have done it for me. I remember I've quoted this quote this often. I remember being in counseling and my therapist said, does God like you? And I'm like, I know, like, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Like, does God like you? I'm like, I know that I'm supposed to say yes. That was my answer. I know that he loves me. Okay, Ruben, but does he like you? It's just like, ah. does he like the person that I am? When I think I could be better, when I'm insecure about my life decisions, when I know how I messed up the other day. <sighs> One of the hardest questions that I've ever had to answer. The truth there, and what has set me free from that mo- in that moment, was that regardless of whether or not I like me, or whether or not I think I deserve it, God likes me. God likes you. Whatever you feel on your worst day, whatever the worst thing about yourself you've ever said when you've looked in the mirror, God doesn't agree. Why? Well, he loved the the whole world so much that he sent his son that whosoever believes might have everlasting life. He thought, Jesus, is Jesus perfect? Yes, okay. He He said, this is what's going to happen. We're going to send the perfect person. He's going to live in perfectness. And what what we're going to do is we're going to use that as a sacrifice so that all the unperfect, sinful people can be in relationship with me. That's how much he likes you. That's how much he cares. And when we begin to declare that and remind ourselves and believe in that, It settles everything else that we tend to focus our minds on. And I I love the way this, I think this is super important here too. He says, you must not let anything cause you to give up the hope that became yours when you heard the good news. Just the phrasing there, right? You must not let, what are we talking about? Distractions. Anything cause you to give up the hope that became yours when you heard the good news. How did we obtain this hope? We heard the good news. And it, if this is the gospel, this is grace, it became mine. My status as a friend of God, my status as holy and blameless, it became mine when I heard the good news. And nothing can take it away from me. I have to give it up. He says, let nothing distract you. You know, we were talking about the enemy today. I think the enemy is a pickpocket. He wants you to be distracted so that you freely 
give it up. Your doubts and insecurities, those, they, what they do is they cause you to just loosen your grip a little bit. And, and I think it's, you know, like we're talking about worthiness here, right? Like, <laughs> has any, who here hasn't heard the good news, the gospel? Show of hands. Is this your first time? That's cool. Online, let me know. Comment. This is my first time. So if you've heard the good news, if you know the gospel, can you just put up a hand? So this hope is yours. This hope is yours. How do I, how do I maintain it? How do I? I just believe it. I just believe it, and I remind myself and believe every time my insecurities come up, every time... Uh, 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 shame starts to come up and that inner critic starts to be loud in your head, remind yourself, oh yeah, at one time I was separated from God. At one time I was his enemy. But now, but now I'm his friend. But now through the death and resurrection of Jesus, I have been presented to him as, as holy, as blameless, and without anything that would make me guilty. Play that on repeat in your mind. Allow your spotlight to remind yourself and ruminate on the gospel. Colossians chapter 1 ends after this verse. And, and in covering this last section, worship team, you can come up. I, I think that we can see another spotlight. And really, this is all just coming from me analyzing Paul and his mindset as he talks to this church in, in Colossae. In verse 24 through 29, it says, I am happy in my sufferings for you. There is much that Christ must still suffer, and I gladly accept my part of those sufferings in my body for the good of his body, the church. I became a servant of the church because God gave me a special work to do. This work helps you. My work is to tell the complete message of God. This message is the secret truth that was hidden since the beginning of time. It was hidden from everyone for ages, but now it has been made known to God's holy people. God decided to let his people know just how rich and glorious that truth is. The secret truth, which is for all people, is that Christ lives in you, his people. He is our hope for glory. So we continue to tell people about Christ. We use all wisdom to counsel every person and teach every person. We are trying to bring everyone before God as people who have grown to be spiritually mature in Christ. To do this, I work and struggle using the great strength that Christ gives me. That strength is working in my life. The spotlights that I see active here, the, where, where Paul is focused on is his purpose and people. And I think you can go anywhere in the New Testament that's on a letter from Paul, and that's what you will see. Purpose and people. The question for us in applying this is, the questions are, is your purpose found in Jesus? Because just to call back to earlier, everything has been made through him. He continues all things. And so if he is the source of my purpose, then I'll thrive. So is, is your purpose found in Jesus or something else? Is your life 
about you or is it about others? And is your mindset about you or about others? It, it's clear that for Paul, his, his worldview, like he's in prison saying, hey, I'm suffering and I have joy for you because of you. And, and I ask this question, it's so important that others become our focal point, that our life is for others. And studies have shown this, that people who live for others tend to be happier. People who volunteer at um, different organizations, people who care about others tend to live happier, more whole lives. And so this is not just a biblical thing, but this is a, a, a practical studying human behavior thing that we, we tend to find more joy in life when we're not consumed with ourselves, but we're consumed with other people. And I just see Paul, and I see him finding joy in suffering and seeing it being done, like he sees his suffering for the sake of others, and he connects it to Christ. Like, I don't think you could have divorced loving people and being about people from Paul's purpose. I think he just saw them so intertwined. And when he saw Christ, he saw people. When he saw loving people, when he saw loving Jesus, he saw loving people. And I know like if you know the New Testament, you know that that's what Jesus asked us to do, to love others. And I just, I think like to be at the point of death so many times, to be in jail so many times and to say things like I am happy in my suffering for you to see that there is much that Christ must suffer and I gladly accept my part of those sufferings and I get mad because my wi-fi wasn't working the other day <laughs> and here Paul is in the midst of brutal and like I cannot emphasize enough how often Paul was in a brutal situation. There's one that he is recounting it and he says, him and his people, his, his group, they said, we were at the point that we begged for death. Like we wanted death. That's how hurt and brutal. And even in that, even in that, he said, but that strengthened our faith and that, that, that strengthened our resolve and that, that even in that, we, it increased our faith in God. That Paul was so obsessed and consumed with Jesus, that Jesus was the focal point, that even in his sufferings, he said, yeah, this is, this is a cause for me to be happy. And I think that when Jesus becomes the focal point of our purpose, and when Jesus becomes the focal point, focal point of how we interact with people, that when we see people, we see Jesus. That when we see people, we see his call to love them. I think that it will shift where purpose and people, our purpose and people spotlights tend to go. I think it will settle things like comparison and competition and we can get so caught up in well I'm not achieving my purpose fast enough and this here this person is I'm over here in jail and this person's preaching the gospel to so many other people uh, Paul was so about his purpose that when he would hear that other people were preaching the gospel and they were fake about it he goes as long as the gospel is being preached he was so married to his purpose that he understood it was a piece to the puzzle 
of God's grander purpose. And why that matters is as I think that we can fall into this thing of self-centered Christianity. And I'll be the first to say that I do. And, and what, what I mean by that is when all that we do for Jesus places us still at the center of it rather than him. And it can be so easily to know my purpose, know my calling, but now my purpose and my calling is about me. Don't you know I'm supposed to be a preacher? Sorry, I can't be bothered to answer the phone call. Sorry, I can't be bothered. I have a purpose. (laughs) We can be so easily distracted by, by, the words that I have is like, we can spiritualize self-centeredness and make it about us. But when you understand that, like your purpose and your calling, when it is Christ-centered, centered, you understand that it is just a piece to the greater puzzle. And, and why that matters is also sometimes our environment begins to dictate our purpose. But Paul understood that he was called to reach the Gentiles, the, the non-Jews for Jesus. And so even in a prison, he found himself achieving his purpose. Even on a boat as a slave, he found himself achieving his purpose. Because even knowing his purpose and his calling never distracted him from the main thing. Because the main thing was and has always been Jesus. Was and has always been Jesus. I think this is a good time for us to stand. My heart for today is that we will begin to reorient, you know, and I use Colossians and I use what was going on here to talk about the mind, but the reality is there's so many areas in our lives in which we find ourselves distracted, misfocused. The question to ask yourself, just as a check-in, just, hey, how do I, how do I live this out, Pastor Ruben? How do I do this. I want to make Jesus the focal point. How do I, well, every now and then, ask yourself, is Jesus the center of what I'm thinking about right now? That's it. I'm worried about my finances. Okay, are you thinking about your finances with Jesus at the center? I'm worried about my my marriage. Okay, are you thinking about your marriage? with Jesus at the center. I'm worried about, you know, I'm this age and I, okay, are you thinking about that with Jesus at the center? And I promise that will always recalibrate you. And I I also guarantee that when you put Jesus first in all things, all things become settled. All things become settled. It It just begins to work itself out and you begin to see clearer. You begin to see what your even conflict and tension that has maybe risen between you and another person. It's like, oh, oh, how do I see Jesus in the center of this? And it just elevates your actions, your behaviors. And you go from uh, this effort thing to this effortless thing. Because when you understand that he rules all and that he is first in everything, it changes everything. Um, I'm going to pray for us at this time. Prayer counselors can come up and then we're going to get into some worship. If you're here and or you're online, because I saw everybody else's hand here go up. 
and you want to place your faith in Jesus today, if you're like, man, I want to just, I need to forget all the spotlights and I just need to put Jesus, I just want access to that. Uh, we have a prayer that we say, we all say it together. Um, and it's just a symbol of you taking a step out in faith and making him Lord over your life. And so on three, we're going to repeat after me. One, two, three. Jesus, I give you my life. I thank you for your salvation. Today I am new. Amen. And amen. For those of us who want to just live this message out, I'm going to pray over us. And then we're going to just like charge into worship. Father, I, I, pray, I pray over our church. I pray that you will just refocus us on you, Lord. That we may not make other things the main thing. And remember that your son, his sacrifice, his love, your mercy, those are the main things. That Jesus is at the center of it all. And I pray that we may apply this in your name. Amen.